My name is Steve Mahone, and in early 2020, I weighed 400 pounds. Feeling stuck, helpless, and outright depressed, I decided it was time to make a change. This is my journey to get healthy and reclaim my life. This is the before picture. And welcome. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the before picture. This is Alex Rigney and Steve Mahone. And top of the call, just want to say, I have known Alex for about 25 years and we've never talked in this sort of format so i'm excited so thanks for being on the on my podcast one of the first interviews i've ever had absolutely thanks for having me yeah man so everybody wants to know it everybody is clamoring to know just what what is it that makes you you just amorphous question into the ether that is what is what makes the clock turn is that what is, makes the battery take it over? You know? <laughs> that's quite the stacked question. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom I, for about 45 minutes. And when yeah, you're talking, I'm just going to, I'm going to monologue here. I don't think I need anything from you now. No. Uh, I mean, I, I think with all of us, our, our basis is however we grew up. So I'd say there are a couple of major things from my, my rearing, my upbringing that kind of helped steer who I've become. And uh, the first one is that I'm, from a big family. Uh, I'm the youngest of five, but I don't think that really does justice to it for what a big family entails. Cause particularly when I was growing up, um, I spent a lot of time with our extended family. I have a bunch of cousins and then people that we called cousins. And I have absolutely no idea what the actual relation was, but you know, oh, people yeah. that we were around all the time. We, so in my family, we have like the uh, the Nelson County Mahones, where mm-hmm. we just kind of lump them in over there because I don't know all their names. I know they're redheaded and I know that they're, they're from Nelson County. That's about it. That's what I know. Yeah. So we have a similar thing, except it's our West Virginia people. Um, I've met some of those people. You have. Um, you definitely met my granddaddy while mm-hmm. he was still around. Uh, and in fact, I don't know if you remember this. We went to that house in Pipeston where my granddaddy lived and he had us watch the tap. Dan- what was it called? The tap dancing redneck, something like that. Uh, it essentially it was, it was, is what became that show, the whites of West Virginia, that was like really popular 10 years ago. That started with this stupid family. That's the whites in West Virginia that are like distant fourth, fifth cousins. I don't, I don't know what the I have never heard of the whites of West Virginia, but I do remember going to Pipeston. And your grandfather cooking us meatloaf. Yeah. And for my personal taste, it had too much onion, but you devoured it. I love onion. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love meatloaf. Then we watched the tap, tap dancing redneck or whatever it was. He was on that show, Roseanne. Yes. That was the culmination yeah. of the video. So the video was, we followed this guy who did some tap dancing and then wanted to make his way in Hollywood. And somehow he got a spot on Roseanne when it was originally on, not, not the right, re- right. And yeah, this was way the show. I don't know for what reason, but the Roseanne show had like a, a minute where they just gave it to him and he just did a tap dance on stage. <laughs> 90s television was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it could have had Sean Hunter walk in from the side frame looking for uh, Mr. Feeney or something like yeah. that. It would have made sense. And we could have just said, cool crossover, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, yeah, to really derail. Um so I think the the fact that I spent a very large majority of my life surrounded by people has steered a lot of kind of who I am and what I've become. And that uh, it, I like to be around people. I like to spend time with people. Um, I mean, 
for those listening to this just last night, we had like 16 people in a discord, just kind of playing, playing games like board game type stuff and talking. And it was a ton of fun, but it's also just emotionally and mentally exhausting to do that. And I think for some people, they can be in a scenario like that and just kind of go with the flow, have a good time. I have an intense desire to not control things, but kind of be in the middle of things, I guess. And, and so it takes a lot of emotional energy to, to kind of keep that up over time. So even though I like spending time with a lot of other people, I also need to leave me alone. I need to be alone time. So it's a, it's a weird little balance that I have to strike there. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, the show, <clears throat> the before picture, as I named it, and we've talked about it before when you uh, said, oh, you know, why, why would I be on the show and all that sort of stuff? I'm like, it's not just like a workout or health and fitness and all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle and transformative kind of like, those are the conversations I want to have. I want to have the conversations where somebody is a, I think I gave the example of a businessman. It's like, uh, or your business person, like, if you want to be on the show and you're a business person and you know business, I'm like, well, there was probably some time in your life where you were not a business person. Maybe you can walk me through the time where you just started selling lemonade for 10 for a nickel or something like that. And you're like, you know what? I think I could get 15 cents out of this. And so you started building your little empire, your little capitalist, uh, whatever that mobile game is, cap- capitalism. You know what I'm talking about? Total mobile game where you like start with a lemonade. Does it have the word adventure in it too? capitalist cap adventure or something like that maybe i don't yeah. know but it's like no matter what somebody is doing or what has driven them to the point in their life you know that there was always a before picture so sure i guess my question is you know what makes you tick like what um leads you to be successful in your career because you are successful in your career you uh, have a, a very good standing in your job and it, it's all kind of worked out but there were times where you were unhappy with uh, your former roles and there were times where you were um not doing so hot and you were just kind of uh, um, upset with life and all that sort of stuff. So like, what are the kind of things that kind of, uh, I just said kind of a whole lot. What are the kind of things that drove you to make a change and um, inspired you to uh, move forward in your career and life and uh, ultimately end up with wife and a couple kids and a house in the Hills. And uh, you know, just you're living the American dream here, but that, that, honestly, that was the goal was living the American <laughs> dream. So I met my wife pretty early. I was 19. She was 18. Um, and I, I, I was adrift for a while. You know, I, I did college for a little while, dropped out because I was wasting my money. And really, I was wasting the government's money um, because the, my dad was in the military. They GI Bill paid for my college. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, should have known that. But I did it. Um, And I was I was adrift for a long time. And then I I spent some time I wanted to be a a police officer, um, just because it, it seemed like a decent goal. I ended up getting into security. Once I got into security, I realized, hey, I can leverage this into getting a clearance. And once I had a clearance that really make me a lot more marketable. Um, so first I got a secret clearance, then I got it upgraded to a top secret, um, did some cool security work. Like it it was, some of it was really cool, but it also sucks. You're working nights, you're, you're working holidays, weekends. It's, it's not a good schedule. So (laughs) I talked to uh, a very good close personal friend of mine. His name's Steve. Oh, Um, sounds like an outstanding (laughs) gentleman. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's quite attractive. Um, and oh, wait, let me turn on my video. I'll show you. <laughs> essentially, we had a conversation about what what am I doing? Like, I, I you know, I've done a little bit to make my resume better. I'm, I'm trying to get into something. What should I do? And at the time, you were a proposal writer, I think. Um, and you said, look, you know, you've got the right mentality and the the kind of right approach or personality, I guess, which, by the way, now looking back, that's kind of an insult. <laughs> I stand by it. I don't take back a single thing You're I've ever said. wrong. It's to just be me. a good person in proposals and proposal management specifically, I said, dude, I'm going to lay it out for you. And I've done this to there are only two people I've told this to. And each time they're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But it was like I sat you down. I said, look, to be a good proposal manager you kind of have to be an asshole and you would be a great proposal manager. And I said it with utmost sincerity. I stand by it to this day, but yet you have it in you. I, I sometimes <laughs> fold a little bit. Sometimes I'll get a little irritated, but I'm always like, come on guys, let's, let's band together. But you're the kind of guy. I think you told me a story one time where you were upset with the team and you sat, you started the meeting. You're like, well, hi everybody. Welcome to the meeting. And um, I'm Alex and I'm the guy who does his job. Who are you? <laughs> I stole that line too. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not an Alex original? Man, what did I steal it? It's it's from some movie. Oh, it's from uh uh The Departed. That's oh. what Mark Wahlberg <laughs> says to the the room. Oh, my dad's gonna be so upset with me. He loves that movie. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, so I I am the guy who does my job. Uh and and so because of you, I I got into that field and things have gone really well since. Um, but you know, it 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 took it took a lot of kind of introspective searching or uh i don't know kind of turning inwards to try to figure out why i was unhappy with what i had been doing which like i said was security and and what i needed to do in the future and i mean i i it's i think it's a good example of how hard it is to get through life if you don't have people whether it's family whether it's friends whatever to kind of help you out because I remember I I think I was interviewing for a job at the company you worked with at the time and we had just had Addie uh, and I left the hospital and came and met you at a restaurant. Yes. You know, yeah, we went to Sweetwater. Times. Yeah. We went to Sweetwater Tavern uh, just to talk through like, you know, what, what do I say in the interview? You know, I, I haven't interviewed in this, in that field before, like, what are the sort of things that I can do? And if I hadn't had that conversation with you, I definitely wouldn't have, you know, been able to, to, to crack my way in. Admittedly, I did not get that job, <laughs> but well, no one else that, did either. So it's not like they picked someone over me. They just, and I left, nobody. I left very soon after that. <laughs> you did to humorously come and work with me, uh, at the place and I left that very I was. soon there after that. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that was a disaster of a place. Um, mm absolutely no reason to stick around there. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we kind of got into, I got into that field and like you said, I, I apparently have the right mentality for it and, and it's, it's been good so far. Um, but I think a lot of that is, you know, the whole fake it till you make it thing, you know, pretend you have confidence and people will believe in you. Um, and particularly with, with proposals, I mean, you're in and out so often, uh, these teams don't have time to figure out your full of shit <laughs> and you're just making it up as you go along. So. Second or third proposal. You're just like, this is the third time we've skipped a kickoff meeting. What's this guy doing? 
I uh, I rarely skip kickoffs, but a color team debrief can can blow off. And I I have told uh, I have told upper management at various places this is only an opportunity for certain people, namely you, uh, certain people to grandstand and and emphasize how important they are. And we don't have time for it as a team, so I, we're not going to have that. <laughs> so I'll reach I, out to you individually. If anybody. Uh proposals are kind of one of those weird things where nobody knows what they are until you know what they are. And then it's all that exists in life. And then you realize everything comes from a proposal. Like I've had to explain what I do to people many, many times where if you're not from the DC or Northern Virginia area or Maryland, like the DMV as they call it, which I'm still not a fan of that. Uh, But if you're not from that kind of DC centric area, then you don't know that the, everything that the government does or purchases or whatever has to, you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to spend the taxpayer dollars wisely. So it has to go for competition. So they have to produce these proposals where industry or commercial entities like my company, or like some, some of the larger ones like Hewlett Packard, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, uh, Raytheon, Oracle, all the, the huge companies that you've heard of, they all, get government money because they win massive proposals. Some of them launch missiles and produce aircraft like Lockheed Martin. And some of them provide like facilities, operations, and maintenance. Like, uh, you know, government buildings, they need janitors. How do they get the janitors? Well, they have to put out contracts and then people have to win those contracts and then provide the janitors. They can't just say, oh, we're going to hire everybody from within because they can't do that because then they're spending taxpayer dollars and they haven't gotten the best value. So that's just kind of a brief rundown of what Alex and I do. Um, uh, he does more for like communications and tech, and I do more for facilities, but uh, same same sort of uh, call. Same job, same processes. Same job. Um, but it all started somewhere. And for me, I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young writer wanting to make his way in the world. And, and I thought, ooh, proposal writing. Ooh, that's kind of like tech writing and grant writing and all that. Then I got into the job and just sucks the life out of you. Now it's my, and now it's my life. So. Yeah. <laughs> Much more your life than mine. Uh, <laughs> uh, fortunately, I'm in a position where I have a much better work-life balance than Steve does. Nah. Fortunately for me, unfortunate for you. Nah. Uh, it's all good. I hope for you to have this one day. It's very nice. <laughs> I just want a neat bookshelf like you have. I, oh, I, I guess we're not releasing the video, but I'm looking at you on Zoom and uh, cool bookshelf. I can send you the plans I use to build it. Oh, I built no, that and the desk that uh, this computer is on. I have about 650 square feet on a sixth floor somewhere, and I am not building anything. You don't need a ton of room, but you do need some outside space for for the cutting and the staining. Otherwise, you're going to get real high in your apartment. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> not again. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it, one of my one of my fun releases is is trying to build this stuff. I actually just recently built crates for the dogs, and they are now eating them from the inside. So that's that's yeah. fun. Well, you used bubblegum flavored uh, stain. Yeah, stain. that was a mistake. Yeah. I, I don't know why what I was thinking there. <laughs> it had, it it had good, a kid though. that looked like one of yours on the cover. Like, oh yeah, this is the Pedialyte <laughs> version of uh, wood stain. Well, as a, a middle America white man, most things have uh, kids who look like mine on their covers. Because, but yeah, uh, and then to circle way, way, way back to what we were talking about, I think uh, the other big thing that kind of steered 
who I've become as a person is my dad passed when I was young and it made it so that I wasn't, I wasn't really a focus in the family. And I mean, it helped that there were a bunch of us and stuff, but because of that, I learned at an early age that I could lie and get away with it um, because people weren't paying enough attention to, to like, you know, actually follow up on it. So I spent about 20 years being a really, really good liar. Uh, Cause with practice as with all things, you, you get better. Um, and then I realized at some point, like lying is a ton of work. Like you got to keep it straight. You've got to keep it straight. You've got to remember what lie you've told to who and in like, it's the details. The details always get you. So at some point I just decided this is is too much work and I I don't like it. Uh, (laughs) I I can't remember what the circumstance was in high school. I think there was one time you lied to me and I I got really upset about it. And I pulled you into like a classroom during lunch one time. I'm like, Hey, I, I don't remember what I said, but I think that the gist was, if you do this again, we're going to have a problem. But as of now, we're okay. So it, I remember exactly what it's about, because that entire situation is one of my biggest regrets. And to, to give like a very, very quick overview, this was the early days of the internet. This was 2002, I want to say. And I was on and it's 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 funny because it's much more commonplace now, but I was online with a couple of friends kind of chatting back and forth. This was before like voice channels and 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 all of that. So we were, you know, like kind of in a chat room sort of thing, but it was just it was just me and a couple of friends. Like an and AOL I get a random room. What's that? Like a private AOL chat room. Yeah, like exactly. Okay. Um, so I get an instant message. Uh, and it's one of the like spam ones that used to get, and now, now we get them with like pictures and stuff, but it's like that spam, you know, hot singles in your area looking for you or something. So I, I, I bane of my existence, make a joke of it. Yeah. I I've started getting the, uh, the, the, like the silver singles. I've started getting the silver singles. Oh, oh, I just mean, I've, I've met so many elderly European men by accident (laughs) because I thought they were hot single in my area. I mean, hot and single are kind of subjective. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's right. <laughs> and like, it no, sounds like were, they okay. may have been in your area. Yep. So, uh, so I turn to the the people. Well, I mean, not literally, but I, I I type over to the people I'm with. Hey, you know, should I respond to this? And it turns out that it was someone from our school fishing, trying to get me caught up in something, and it worked. I, I the the people I was I was chatting with and I were like coming up with stuff to say to her. Um, and at the end they said, Hey, this is, I I don't remember the dude's name. Um, but they said, Hey, this is whoever it was. And I panicked, absolutely panicked. And it's funny because you would think that this would have been the moment that like fixed things for my line, because I ruined like two, three friendships that were really, really important to me at the time. Obviously. I mean, like you said, uh, I went all out. I lied to everyone about it. Um, including my mom. And then like oh, that, that became a whole thing level. as well. What's that? This went to the top level. Yeah. It, 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 it all the way to the boss. Um, and, <laughs> and so what I lied to you about was I came to you and I was like, Hey, I, I gave like some partial truth where I was like, Hey, it happened, but I knew, and I knew who it was or, or something like that. I don't remember. You tried to like but, spin something. Yeah, exactly. Tried to make myself not look like a degenerate dirtbag, which <laughs> essentially is what I am and was. Uh, but now, you know, I'm a lot more comfortable. With well, it. you need a little bit of the dirtbag in you. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd you'd be want a, a terrible proposal of... manager. 
Right. And if I'm going to succeed, I, I need to be a little, uh, a little bit of a dirtbag. Um, but yeah, the entire thing was, was wildly unpleasant. And I mean, it's, I, I know that you, you and probably everyone else goes through this as well, where, you know, some nights where you're not feeling great about yourself, you're laying in bed. It's always one of those regrets that comes back up. Not just that I did it, it, it because doing it is whatever. I mean, I, I, I understand the thought process that went into it. And I understand why I lied because I literally, you freak out, you panic. And I mean, it turned out that it wasn't just the one guy in the room. There were like three of them. And it, it <laughs> I did, I, you know, I went the, the pure <laughs> deny, deny, deny. And then it was like, come on, man, we were all sitting there. Like there's printouts of it. And I'm like, ah, oh, they doctored those. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it, yeah, this was a sting operation. Yeah, it really was. And I, I fell right into it. Cause I'm an idiot. I like, remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess in high school, this was kind of before the internet was super prevalent. So you were in chat rooms and all that. Yeah. Uh, I, it would be like somebody would be at somebody's house and they would call somebody else, but the other person would be on another phone mm-hmm. listening they get their mute going. Yeah. And, I remember and, and that. I fell right into the honeypot. Uh, and this is honestly, this is probably one of the big reasons I'm not big into social media now because everybody's a liar and <laughs> trying to burned. do bad things to me. <laughs> that and your obsession with burn notice on USA. You're just like, things can I do go love south, man. It's so good. Michael That's Weston. A, heck yeah, that is he's on sorry joke. Who loves burn notice? Harris loves burn notice. <laughs> oh, he's talking about his little cousin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't teach me. It took it like another 10 years to to sink in. It, in fact, like a year and a half after that, for some stupid reason, again, AOL, AOL Instant Messenger getting me in trouble. I was in college. I just met Libby, my wife. I think um, I know what story this is. Yeah. And so, I don't know. We'd been dating like a week. And I decided <laughs> to convince her for some reason that she was the first girl I kissed, even though it already told her that that wasn't the case. I was just like, eh, I'm dumb. I'm going to lie for fun. Sure. And she got really, really mad because <laughs> like, she believed me. And then, you know, like 20 minutes in, I'm like, you know, I'm joking. Right. And she like signed out, closed her computer, walked away. So I sprinted across campus because I lived on campus. She lived on campus. I it, but it was far, far away from each other. So I sprinted across campus and like snuck into her dorm, like got someone to let me in and I'm waiting outside her door and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to lie. That was stupid. (laughs) That was a bad decision. So so you, you uh, substituted, you're like, okay, I'm upset about my deceit, but I'm going to know, I'm going to go with breaking and entering. That's going to be my new thing. Uh, Quasi stalking. Um, quasi quasi sure i would like to say that in my defense it was the early 2000s it was before many people were woke and understood that like three quarters of male behavior is aggressive and uncomfortable for females uh but there's not really an excuse i'm like it will go back to me being a little bit of a dirtbag um and i i still you know libby and i have been together for 17 years and uh I still push too much and don't give her enough space when she needs it. And when I piss her off, I don't let her cool down, but I've gotten a little bit better. Well, um, you you can hope is for some type of growth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hopefully more personal, Mm -hmm. emotional growth and less of my waistline, which has not been great during COVID. Um, I think a lot of people have gone that way. You know, I like to imagine that uh, when you were sprinting off campus and you got to her door, like everybody, they saw you kind of trying to get into the dorm, but they saw that you were just panting and sweating so hard. <laughs> that it's like, I don't want to deal with it. 
You would think so, but no, it's some guy, some person was smoking out on the balcony and this is before like key cards and stuff. So he's like, here, let me use my physical key to <laughs> really? open this door for you. <laughs> no front desk attendant. Did you, did you climb like a terrace? No. So those ones had like on the balcony. Those ones had hallways and then the hallways went into stairwells that were open air outside. So like you oh, could really? get to each floor. Okay. But it wasn't like a big central building that you had to go into and then up, mm. that sort of thing. In my one of my college dorms, they had built it and they kind of built it. I don't know if they built it on the cheap, but they built it was like the um, the Russian Olympics where they built it out halfway and like there were goats staying with the Olympians. <laughs> they just weren't finished. What was that Sochi? Yeah, yeah, something. So yeah, something like that. But and like I, I always love looking at pictures of um, old Olympic sites that are just abandoned afterwards, and then the the you know, Mother Earth is retaking it. Those are always there's creepy. A, there's a great subreddit called Abandoned Porn that is just like old stadiums and stuff where, like you said, nature has retaken it. It's super cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad you explained it because if you just said Abandoned Porn, that would... <laughs> Like, no, that brings you back to those uh, Slavic gentlemen in their 40s <laughs> that are hot and single <laughs> and in your area. Yeah. I never specified there was Slavic. I just said European. So, that's oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That was my own experience oh, yeah. leaking through clearly. Well, this, uh, this is another area where you can grow in the coming years <laughs> and expand it to all, all of Europe, man. I'm hoping that the Slavic gentlemen that I accidentally encounter no longer help me grow. Um, <laughs> it's a real problem. I, he, um, Okay, so like in my dorms, they were so, I guess, not hastily built, but uh, whatever it was where we did have key court cards. This was, a, I was like a junior in college or something. These were new dorms. We were the first people to actually live in them. Um, but the magnetic strips and the magnetic doors and all that sort of stuff didn't work very well. So people just uh, figured out you could just kind of like hit the top of the door a little bit and it would open because it would demagnetize it temporarily and you could just yank the door open. Nice. Not secure at all. There's a, a funny clip I saw a little while ago where it was a kid in college was showing all of the things that could open his his dorm door. And so like he swipes his card, turns green, he opens it. And then like he throws a pizza box at it that opens it. <laughs> like he's throwing food at it and stuff. It, yeah. It's it's amazing how these horrific uh dirtbag proposal managers uh put together these proposals for these these financial institutions and, mm. and colleges and then deliver shoddy materials afterwards ridiculous it's terrible <laughs> really should clean that I, up. It, also in that same exact dorm um there would be times where we had to get into somebody's room but they locked the doors behind them and you know the credit card trick where you're just like come on that's just in the movies it's no, no that absolutely works I, it, there was this we did it in these doors specifically. It, you didn't even have to get the credit card into the door frame even a quarter inch before it was just like, please allow me. And it would just pop open, like swing well, wide so for you. If you look at the if you look at a random door handle, that's why you need a deadbolt because those door handles yep. are designed so that when they close, they push in when they hit the frame and then they they sink into the frame. So that's what secures it. Well, if that's all that's on there, all you have to do is come in from the other side and push that little latch in and you're yeah. good to go. Yeah. Basic. What are those? Uh, the ba basic designs. It's a wedge yeah. formation. You just need to. Yeah, exactly. Right angle and you're good to go. Exactly. So it could be a credit card. I, not that I've broken this it turned into places. a very uh, explanatory podcast of what not to do in life. 
Uh, well, no, I mean, we're not even talking about when I broke into prison or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who breaks into prison, but okay. It was a women's prison. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess I can give you the the quick 30 seconds. Oh, Lorton, did you actually do this? I thought you were joking. No, yeah, I did. In Lorton, there used to be a uh, uh, an abandoned women's prison right off of uh, Route 123. And uh, in college, of course, uh, a group of us decided to go down there and break in. We hid in some bushes when the security guy came. That was hilarious because we were all very trespassing then we used some bolt cutters to cut through part of the fence because there's a chain link fence we went up into the guard towers uh that was gross um and also really dangerous like those were not good but now it's like this weird alternative art center uh it's called the work art center you know where that is (laughs) okay but uh does it still have alex was here carved into one of the cells we didn't do that we did find rolly chairs and fire extinguishers and attempted to use them to race and just got fire extinguisher crap all over ourselves (laughs) like that is not enough pressure to push a a, an adult in a rolly chair particularly like an old rusty crappy rolly chair um but it was fun i mean it was a good time Nothing came of it for us, but like, it's one of those things we're looking back. It's like somebody had to clean up the mess we made. Like that was messed up. <laughs> well, you said the whole cool. thing was gross anyway. Were they really yeah. cleaning it or was it just a mothballed facility where no, it was just a mothballed facility? Yeah, so, so maybe they didn't clean it up. Sometimes but... if you're moth, if a facility is mothballed, like you may have somebody um, walking the location just to see if somebody broke in or if there's like huge holes in the ceiling or if something's collapsed or anything, but yeah. Usually, Safety unless hours. you're trying to repurpose the building or just kind of like having it exist before another entity comes in, um, you may just kind of like I, I've seen facilities where they've uh, taken out the air filters in uh, the, the air conditioning units and nothing's going on. There are holes in the ceiling. It's all hard hat area just because it's dilapidated and they're I mean, it could have been like they were looking to tear it down in a couple of years once they got funding. And then build something else in its place. So they're just like, okay, we need a security guard here just to make sure nobody comes in and steals stuff because the, the person who owns it's still liable. Yeah, and that's probably the only reason they were there. Oh, absolutely. Liability. And and then I mean, it it it's funny because it did end up getting repurposed, but not for five or ten years after that. Yeah. So Good they were just kind of like guarding it, and that's just a lot cheaper than maintaining it. Yeah. So they're like, all right, it's just well, someone still had to clean it up when they repurposed the place. Well, that's so, a different contract altogether. That's, my bad. That's sorry to whomever they already they gutted the whole thing. They first. probably replaced the plumbing and the wires and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe not though. I don't know. I don't know this facility. It's weird because like it's still got some of the guard towers up, but like I don't know. The the whole place is is very odd. They just oh, but the, the weirdest part was where you know we're sneaking around. It's dark. It's it's kind of creepy because we're in an old prison and we come around the corner in the stupid quote from Shawshank Redemption or that it's in Shawshank Redemption, but it's from the Bible that like only through work shall you be set free or something like that is it like plastered on this giant wall with these weird disembodied heads coming out of it. One of the scariest things that I've ever like stumbled upon. (laughs) (laughs) Very creepy. Um, But yeah, that, that was, that was probably a bad call. It's like your own version (laughs) of MTV's fear. Yeah, exactly. Remember that show when we were 18? Mm-hmm. That I was the that show. Was that Joe Rogan who hosted that one? No, that was Fear Factor. That was when you oh, ate weird stuff. I don't know Fear then. I only okay. know Fear MTV Fear. I think it ran for two or three seasons. Basically, they there was a safe room, like in um those video games where it's a zombie like Left for Dead or something like that. There's a safe room where no zombies can get you. It's well lit. There's ammo and all that sort of stuff. 
But then when you go out, then they give you challenges through this little radio. And they say, go to the um, isolation room in the asylum and sit in a chair in the total darkness for 10 minutes, then come back. And then that the, sounds you, horrifying. Then you have like cameras kind of attached to you that are always looking at you. So they, you catch your reaction. Like Blair Witch styles. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it was kind of like that. I don't think they were handheld though. I think like you had like an attachment or something like that. And they yeah. had hidden cameras all throughout the facility. And then basically it was people just kind of like conquering their own fears of going around these uh, very real, but abandoned mental institutions, or one of them was in the woods or one of them was like an old laboratory where they did experiments and kind of go into these gross areas and sit there alone. Or I think one of them, they got pretty extreme where it's like you had to lay down in a grave in a coffin and close the coffin. And then unknown for that guy, unknown for that guy, somebody else got a mission to bury him or like start throwing dirt on the coffin. So he's laying there and he hears like the, the clatter of dirt. Yeah. Nah, I couldn't do that. And then um, (laughs) I guess you got to assume MTV has your right uh, interest at heart, but then you'd think about Kurt Loder does not care about me. Sway, it would get them Sway's a lot of publicity if someone accidentally died. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I think everything. I, I'm sure there were people right behind the the trees, like waiting to help. But basically, you could uh, quit at any point, and then you would lose all the money. Um, and then somebody else had to complete your challenge, I think. Mm. And then at the end of the show, everybody split prize money or got their individual prize money, whatever it was. But anyway, I liked that show. And yeah, I that, just remember that actually every time, sounds good. They should bring that back. I would always uh, evaluate, be like, huh, I could do that one. Oh, I could do that one. Nope, I'm not doing that. If it that has snakes, where I would quit no the show. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. I'm never outgrowing that. That'll be the before, the during, and the after picture of my life <laughs> is my fear of snakes. <laughs> it's on your tombstone. It's just like a snake with a, a line through it. Yeah, it, well, it's a, I hope I didn't die by a snake. <laughs> That'll be a good epitaph for me. Like you watch Toy Story for like five seconds until Woody said, there's a snake in my boot. You turn it off. Horror film. Why did you make me watch this? <laughs> that one isn't as bad there. It's the problem is, you know, I play a lot of video games and snakes are like a common enemy. So like I have to squint my way through any. <laughs> oh, man. In the first Resident Evil, like we're talking like 95, 97, something like that. Not even RE2. There is a giant snake that you have to fight yeah. really early in the game. And it took me like 18 months to to muster up the courage to be able to get past it. It didn't help. I didn't have a memory card, so I couldn't save. Um, so I just had to play through the game. <laughs> a very memory intensive game. It. Yeah. Where they also uh, had safe rooms. Yeah, they did have safe rooms and mean zombies that were always surprising you. And the dogs in those games are very, very unfriendly. You know, I can't even... I can't even picture the first resident evil all i'm getting is resident evil 2 and 3 and then the sub then the sequels you walk into a mansion very heavy red tones i can i can picture the like beginning part in this one hallway you go down where the dogs jump through the glass windows uh very very well but you come into this hallway and there's like there's stairs going up and then there's a little hallway to the side of it that like goes around a corner as you come around a corner there's a zombie eating a corpse and it looks over its its shoulder Are you sure that's not Resident Evil 2? Pretty sure. Resident Evil 2 is the one in uh, Raccoon City where they, they're in the police station and stuff. Yeah, but... Resident Evil 1's in the mansion. Which is the one where the liquor busts through the window? I don't know. I think that, that's probably Resident Evil 2. Okay, I remember 
maybe I do remember Resident Evil one because I know the zombie character turning to look at you because that's a cutscene. Yeah, and it's it's like and you've never seen years old. Like you've never seen anything like that, and you're like, well, this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, even though I even though there's uh, Resident yeah, Evil, I wasn't I was okay with Resident Evil. I'll tell you what the scariest game I ever played was. Well, I have two. One, the first Silent Hill, mm. because of the fog, because the graphics processing was not at the point where it should have been so the fog was just uh, a necessity for being able to play the game mm -hmm. like they couldn't over overcome the actual fog because they couldn't render things fast enough yeah it was a mechanical and that issue. was all really um, creepy and whenever there then you go into like the shadow dimension or whatever it was and um, whenever those little goblins or whatever would come and attack you you always knew there was one in the room because you carried around a radio and there would be static that came on do you remember this I didn't play any of the Silent Hill Oh, you games. didn't play Silent Hill? Oh, my gosh. Uh -huh. Scariest game ever. Uh, so you had a radio where uh, you couldn't get any frequencies or sound, and maybe occasionally somebody would be like, hey, are you there? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you're in a shadow dimension. But every time there was an enemy around, it would start screaming static at you. Mm. So you would go, and, and it was like Resident Evil, where you'd go into the room, and it was like really difficult controls. It wasn't over the shoulder. It was preset cameras. Um, so you would knew there was a goblin in there with a shank trying to get you. But you didn't know where, and all I think all you had was a shoulder cam or shoulder flashlight, so you couldn't see where it was, and you just knew that the static was getting louder, and you mm. freak out, and you had to explore school, and then you had a map which well it looked it was the map was really cool because you could uh, kind of scratch out okay this door is locked this door you went through and they put like a line with a, a dash through it or something like that so it was really scary yeah. And what's the other one? You said Silent Hill and yeah, I, I, uh, this is the this is one time where I actually freaked out and I had to stop playing, <laughs> not because it was scary, just because it startled me and scared me so bad. RB um, Adventures, <laughs> Banjo Kazooie. It Didn't was Doom Three, but for mm. the PC when yeah, it came I remember out that. in two thousand four. And I, or maybe it came out in 2003, I played it in 2004, but I, here's what I did is I was in my dorm room, turned off all the lights, put on headphones, and then it, that was the only light coming, it was in my room. And I remember one specific thing, because if you've never played Doom, you're this super soldier, you're actually, your name is Doom Guy, because they've never named him. Uh, so you're walking through this facility, and you're fighting um, Spawn from Hell, who have started attacking. And you go into this one bathroom, and you look, and I, you can see your character in the reflection, and I always like when they do that, so I kind of like went up to the window or to the mirror to look at myself closer. And right when I got right next to the window, it zoomed in, zooms in on your face real fast, transforms it into a skull. And then you hear like incredible, incredibly loud, like screaming sounds. Mm. And so I like jutted back from my computer, turned it off, turned the lights on, went into the living room. And I said, I have to be with people. Yeah. I need to be around people right now. Yeah. Like real people. Yeah. Oh, and then man. honestly, I did what you did. It, I did not play it again for two years until it came out on, I think, like Nintendo 64, and it was not scary. <laughs> and I beat the game <laughs> and I enjoyed it. And I played oh, it in the living nice. room with the lights on with people around. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I had a buddy in college who got it when it either when it came out or about that time. And uh, he's the guy who got me into selling cars. Um He, he did the same thing you did. And every <laughs> once in a while, he would come in because we had two rooms with an adjoining bathroom. And so his computer was in that other room. And then we had a room that like, we all, of course this was my idea because I'm an idiot. We put all of our beds in one room 
And then we made the other one like a hangout area. So we had a futon and a TV and like all that stuff. But my computer and one of our roommates computers was over there. Oh, and then we had a, a person who was squatting with us. We called him our fish. Cause the only pet you were allowed to have was a fish. <laughs> um, so there are five of us living essentially in one room. Uh, but his was in the other room in the not hangout room. So every once in a while he'd come over and be like pale and like ashen faced and like wild in the eyes and be like, I need to take a break. This game's really scary. <laughs> so Wait, similar to you, he just needed to be around people. What game was he playing? Did you say this was doom three? Oh, it was doom three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was scary if you're playing on the computer and you're actually focusing on it, especially mm-hmm. on the computer specifically when you have the surround sound on your headphones, like you'll get a, like a monster spawning from behind you. And that one, that one went way more horror than action. Like in subsequent Doom games, it's a lot more run and gun. This isn't scary. Oh, cool. I have a rocket launcher. Oh, I'm out of ammo. Now I have this other cool gun, blah, blah, blah. This one was very, really creepy. Yeah, the only Doom game I played was on like Sega CD or 32X or or one oh, of those. Man. And it was it was definitely much more along the lines of just gory, get your BFG and kill as many things as you can find. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I the the Doom games, the Wolfenstein and the the duke nukem games were all as serious sam that was a good one too i played serious sam uh i wouldn't now i played i think <laughs> so. i played and beat duke nukem mm-hmm. i just remember there were boobs yeah duke nukem was nice because it was it was all grown up but <laughs> you know it was still written by people with childish mentalities so it still had a lot of you know dirty jokes and stuff so in it. was that by the same company who did the full throttle do you remember full i'm throttle? not sure Okay. Well, I think it's an energy drink, but it was also a video game that I saw somebody playing in in Circuit City, the one that you worked at, I think. Oh, nice. This is when I was just a little kid. And then he was playing this game called Full Throttle. And, I, and he was an employee who was just taking a break and playing mm-hmm. some really adult-centric game on the on the show floor. That's funny. And little Steve staring there all wide-eyed, wanting this game. And my mom's saying, absolutely not. I'm surprised she didn't beat the guy upside the head. Oh, she was off doing something else for the majority of it yeah oh man it's funny how like different we are now than then like you know little steve is just sitting there watching some guy play i remember once i my mom and i went to the grocery store or whatever and near it there was a game store and i was like i'm gonna go over there and then i'll meet you i had to run and jump in her car as she was in traffic because she's just gonna leave me and it was not the first time and this would so i I know that that's the trip that I bought the first StarCraft on. It was before any of the expansions or anything. So it must have been like 96, 97. I was like 11 or 12 years old, and she was leaving me at stores because I would wander off, and she just didn't have the energy to find me. (laughs) Whereas now, like, I can tell you exactly where my kids are, like, 95% of the time. (laughs) Well, you just got to check up your GPS. Yeah, exactly. Well, you you give them Fitbits. <laughs> you know where they are all the time. I think the air quotes made it, but they're not going to see that at home. No, they're not. Uh, but Fit that was bits. those were your air quotes, just for Steve. But uh, it's, I've you know I've met your mom many times. Love your mom, but that is very on brand for her. Yeah, I'll never forget the time she dropped the f bomb in front of you, and this was back like you were you were not cussing oh yeah this was high school i spent, a, I spent she, a solid like six years refusing to swear yeah it was, like it was years. really impressive um i gave it up once for lent and this was 
I don't know, like I was probably like 15 or 16. So I gave it up for Lent. I didn't realize Lent had ended because, you know, I'm not a good Catholic. Uh, And my sister told me like four days later and I was like, yes. And I just let out this string (laughs) of expletives that was absolutely foul and rancid. And if it was recorded, I would be canceled today. Like it was it was not good. I'd have to cancel myself over. (laughs) But uh, yeah, six years, that was impressive. And then, of course, in the midst of that, my mom dropped an F-bomb in front of you. And it was like completely casual, unnecessary. Like there was no need for it. (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, my mom is a PhD. uh, She was a, a college professor for many, many years. Like she's an educated, smart woman, but you can take the hillbilly out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the hillbilly. <laughs> She's West Virginia bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like where we're just kind of eating tacos. You're like, hey, Alex, you got some, uh, that's a fucking salsa on your mouth. <laughs> what? Yeah, like it was completely that's, that's unnecessary. Oh, <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, I, I am happy that uh, that high school was as enjoyable an experience, you know, despite the lying and the getting in sure. myself in trouble with stupid stuff. It was as enjoyable experience. I always feel very bad for people who who say, you know, high school is the worst time of their life or, yeah. you know, they had no friends. They were ostracized, bullied. I mean, that just that sounds awful because we had a really good group of friends in high school. Yeah. And in fact, going back to the line, if you remember uh that was when we convinced wave that you only talk about the ball thing <laughs> oh come on <laughs> you all we for some reason convinced them you only had one testicle completely I, yeah. unnecessary i think it was one of those things where you convinced him separately mm-hmm. and didn't tell me so he came up to me and and you were like in tow you were like right beside him like steve you gotta be honest with me do you only have one ball and I looked at him and I looked at you and you're just nodding. Yes. <laughs> like real hard. I'm like, it's true, man. Yeah. Lost it. And I don't even remember. I don't remember what we told him if there was an accident or a disease or what. I don't but, remember. Oh man. It's definitely. I think a, a prosthetic got involved at some point. Oh, absolutely. Because he wanted to see him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wildly stupid. Uh, yeah kids are dumb yeah i mean i i hope yeah i had a good time in high school and if i ever made anybody's time less enjoyable i regret that immensely i know i did and it 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 bugs me i mean it it doesn't just bug me it bothers me really hard really bad i i know specific people that i i made their time worse and that that sucks and i mean if i were a better person i'd probably like reach out to them and apologize but i'm not so i'm not gonna do that yeah, I think anybody that I've really kind of offended, I I think I've apologized since then. And I know I've done that on a couple occasions for things that I, you know, it's one of those things where I still think about, like I've ruined, not ruined relationships, but I've made some relationships much more difficult with things that I've done. And I have apologized for them, but I still feel bad just because the relationship is still strained. Oh, no matter how much, if you do something that, and maybe it's just on me and maybe they don't care. And I just spend too much time thinking about it. but it's one of those things where there are certain instances where I'm just like, I was young, I was dumb. I apologize. And I will continue to apologize every time I see you in person. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think sometimes it is, it is in your, not your head, but a person's head that the other party doesn't care. But like, you know, that story I was telling about telling the lie in high school, like, 
my relationship with several people changed completely and they probably would have anyway because we went to college but you know i was really really close friends with a couple of people who i lied to it came out and i i don't talk to them anymore and i would have because they were they were really good people that i liked and you know i apologized at the time and but it, it once that trust is gone once you've eroded you know, whatever the foundation of the relationship is, it's gone. Yep. And I there's mean, always going to be that thought. There's yep. always going to be that uh, little, little, little guy hanging out in the back of your brain being like, I eh, don't, I mean, he's nice now, but don't trust him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, I think it's an interesting question as to whether the heart of that person is, is changed. Like if I don't, I do not lie anymore. Um, it's not worth it. It's, I don't like hurting the people around me. Like there's no point to it, but for anyone who's known me that long, am I, am I still a liar that just has decided not to for a while or have I actually changed? Like, is there permanent change like that or is it an inherent personality trait? Yeah. And I think it's a interesting question. Yeah. I mean, your, your honesty is just it's so far surpassing what needs to be, what, what's necessary. I'm like, Hey, Steve, I'm running a couple minutes late for the podcast. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. Yeah. I'm on the toilet. Oh, okay. It's not going well. I'm like, Oh, you can stop. See, you know, it's funny you say that because I almost told you why I thought I was going to be running a couple of minutes late and I decided not to, but it was an unplanned because I, I schedule my day out pretty well. It was an unplanned bathroom trip. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, it, it wasn't it was, in your minutes. It was not part of my schedule and I was already running things tight because I, I went for a run, but I, I got sucked into a Harry Potter movie with Logan. And so I went for my run late. And then by the time I got back, like I was running things tight and the run led to a bathroom trip. Uh, so you really did just hit the the nail on the head. <laughs> I'll be Whether you've been to or not. I've known you for two and a half decades. I, I, I know what happens. Yeah. It's, it's, oh man, two and a half decades. That's a long time. It's been We've about gotten that. old. Well, hold on. No, that would mean we met when we were 10. Nah, it's it's been like 19 years, 20 years. Because we became friends. No, it's, it's been like 20 years. Our like junior year of high school, right? Junior year. A sophomore because I had gotten my license. Okay. Oh, that's right. You were old for our grade. Um, was I? No, I was April. No, you were, I'm sorry. You were normal aged for our grade. I was young for our grade. So yeah. I didn't get my license until the very end of our junior year in which I then got in to an enormous car accident um, that. that put four of us in the hospital on the way to prom. Um, that was fun. Yeah, it's a sad memory. Yeah, that's that's not a great one. And speaking of things you regret, I mean, like I didn't. So just as a, a quick what happened in the car accident, I was taking a left and someone came around the corner. I never saw the person. It was raining. It was dark. And I, to this day, contest that their lights were off. Um, he so I did not see the car. I turned T-boned us, put all four of us in the hospital. Um, I know at least two of the people that were in the accidents, the two, two are uh, the two women. Um, well, I guess girls at that point, I don't know where that line is. Um, they have like long lasting residual issues from that. Um, one of them had a really severe concussion and, and whiplash and she, she dealt with, she has dealt with issues. I know her, you know, since then from that. And the other had really bad scarring um, from glass going into her arm. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know if the scarring's still there. It probably is. I mean, it, it, I say really bad. It wasn't like horrific, but you know, it, 
it it yeah, was noticeable. Um, and while scars fade, I don't know, you know, what her status is. I'm not still with her, but anyway, uh, you know, that was on our way to prom and I mean, it led to a really nice, like prom makeup that, uh, that the class did for us. That was nice. Um, I got to dance with the girl that I was interested in at the time. That was not my prom date. Um, <laughs> yeah. God. Well, I remember the, yeah, I mean, I was at that prom, so yeah. it was, we were concerned and all that, uh, but wasn't it like an, uh, an unlicensed underage driver or something like that? I thought there were some, also some things going on with so the car. He may or may not have been intoxicated. He ran from the scene. Um, and they, they didn't find him until the next day. It turned out that he was, and this is, you know, obviously a hot topic now, but he was a, uh, illegal immigrant. Okay. He was undocumented. Um, And so he ended up being arrested and deported. Oh Um, gosh, really? Yeah. Because he, he committed a felony hit and run, uh, regardless of whether his lights were off. And I mean, it, 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 it wasn't a great situation from, from any any perspective i will say that the the families of the the three other kids in the car were all super nice to me they understood the situation they understood what was going on um like i i i got a lot of people who visited us in the hospital which was really really nice um i mean it it, you know we went to a a small school so everybody knew each other anyway so you know we we were a pretty tight-knit community but uh but no everyone was really really cool about it but yeah it it I mean, and I, I should state the fact that he is a or was at the time uh, not allowed in the country had nothing to do with any of it. Like it's it's why these these weird little anecdotal stories just have have no real reflection on on immigration one way or the other. I mean, it, it he could have been it could have been anyone. And, you know, I like I said, I thought his lights were off. Um, one of the other cars that was like waiting to turn said that his lights were on but another cars were off or something like that so like it was very murky and i i ended up with no like legal repercussions from it like it wasn't it wasn't placed the blame wasn't placed on me but like i remember like maybe two months later i had one of the the only panic attacks i've ever had in my life i had like a severe panic attack in the car with my mom and i ended up curled up in the back seat in the floor of the car because like i could not handle the fact that i was in a vehicle Oh, wow. And it really messed me up for a while, uh, you know, mentally. Um, but in frankly, I mean, I still have residual effects. I hate riding with other people because of it. Um, I like to be the person in control of the car because I know exactly how much I'm paying attention and I take driving really, really seriously because of it. Yeah. So I have the same with me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, we have that that same thing. And that's why I trust riding with you. I mean, you're one of the few people that I am comfortable riding with, which is hilarious because the first time we met or like the first time we became friends, we went on a road trip for a yeah. girls basketball game mm-hmm. and you steered with drumsticks. I had them um, in the car. What else? Are you while do going 65 over a mountain or whatever the, the speed limit was at the time. It yeah. was fast enough that I was definitely terrified. And, you know, we went, we stopped at a Wendy's and I got out of the car because I thought it was hilarious and did like this weird, like throwing a fit. That was probably me channeling the stress and <laughs> and fear that I had had riding with you at that point. Oh, and that was in your blue bomber where yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the fabric on top was not actually 
fastened it, it to the lost, top. It was a 1990 Buick Electra, and the the fabric on top was glued on, and it had started coming down. It because started. It was 2002. <laughs> in order to look in the rearview mirror, you had to push up the fabric. <laughs> I did do that. Yes, there were a lot of problems with that car that ended up happening. Oh my gosh! We, uh, so we called it the Snowcat uh, because it. I have a lot of fun memories and fun stories about that that car. Uh, but it was really heavy, made out of steel. The engine was right over the front wheel drive tires, uh, so it could get in the snow, do really well. Um, I had a deer commit suicide into it. That's the one that Cabell came and picked up, right? And yep. Yep. I presumably ate. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So we, I was driving home from wrestling practice. It was like 6 p.m., so it was dark. It was in the middle of winter. And a, uh, I think it was like 180-pound, six-point buck uh, did not. I did not run into it. It ran into me. It ran into my driver's side door uh, right behind the wheel well, but right before my window. And so did you have to, did you that, have to like clean up a spot in your car after that? <laughs> like, I can't imagine how terrified I'd be if a ginormous animal ran into literally like three inches from me right there. Well, here's what happened is all it did was scare me real bad because yeah. my car is made out of pure steel and this thing <laughs> bounced off. But it made a very loud sound, and I saw its head in my, you know, I in my periphery, purview. No, I stared right at it oh. because it hit, <laughs> and then it looked me in the eye, and I looked at it in the eye, and it went. <laughs> and then I kept driving, and it bounced it's off, and it terrifying. kept driving. Then I stopped, and I turned around, and it was struggling in the street real bad, like uh, nothing, nothing was moving as it should have, and so I was freaking out. Um, it made a huge dent in my door, but I was not injured because my car was so tough. You know, mm -hmm. if I was driving my, you know, Ford Fusion today, this thing, I would have broken some legs. Yeah. And things would have shattered. I mean, these cars today are meant to crumple. Um, but the car I was driving, it wasn't meant to withstand a hurricane. Yeah. So I drove home, got my dad. We went back to the scene of the, the accident or the, the honestly, the, the suicide attempt, well, <laughs> the successful suicide from the deer. And uh, it had already expired. Like it had yeah. broken its neck. So there were already some neighbors gathering around and I live where cows are my neighbors. So I don't mean the cows were <laughs> gathering around. I mean, people, but uh, I live out in the, the country. Family like, the there's deer. not a lot of people around me. I did not live in a, in a very populous area. Um, and then one of my neighbors came by who was in our grade um, and he stopped and he had a nice car. He had like a BMW and he said, Hey, what happened here? My dad's standing there. He's like, Oh, uh, ran into Steve. It broke his neck. Oh, and this guy was a big hunter. This whole family is a big hunter, big hunting family. Like, oh, what are you going to do with it? Like, well, the animal control is coming. He's like, oh, well, can I have it? Like, I guess. So literally he popped his trunk, put down a tarp, and then he and my dad hoisted it into his car and he drove away before animal control got there and everybody just dispersed because they're like, okay, animals taken care of. A hunting guy, hunting guy got it. So then he took it home, bled it, skinned it, eat it, did all that. And then I talked to him about a week later. I'm like, hey, hey, bud, how's that uh, deer working out for you? He's like, oh, yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, ribs were a little bruised, but other than that. It's the <laughs> country version of you going to eat that. Yep. <laughs> but it was roadkill. Literally, he ate my roadkill. Uh, roadkill gets a bad, bad rap. Yeah. But either way, that car, that car was funny. So it, um, I got was talking with my dad and there was a huge dent where behind the wheel well, right when my door started. So there's, you know, that gap because the door mm -hmm. has to swing somewhere. 
and that was a big dent. Do you remember the dent? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so huge dent. I mean, it looked like the chest cavity of a deer got in there, which it did, running full speed. Uh, so big dent. And what it did was make the metal grind on the other metal when I opened the door. So it made a terrifying loud sound mm-hmm. every time I would enter or exit the car and also made opening and closing the door very hard because there was friction. Well, I would imagine that would harken back to your Silent Hill days. You're thinking that the <laughs> you're thinking that the goblin with the knife is coming to get you. He's coming, man. This was scary times. So the, people would be amused with the car. So they would open and close the door repeatedly and to eventually where it like started altering the sound of the door and all the scraping of the metal to make it more high pitched and worse. They thought it was very funny. But uh, so there was that I said, dad, are we going to get this insurance? Are we going to claim this on the insurance? And he goes, make it go up. No way. You're going to, you can, you can work this out. So I just had a dent in my door for the rest of the time I owned the car. Yeah. Do you remember my, I started and here's, I'm just going to list off the other things that went wrong with this car towards <laughs> the end. You said the felt started falling down from the roof. That did happen. I started stapling it. Yeah. And I remember that Rom, I remember I, I fresh stapled it so it wouldn't get in my date's hair, but the staples started falling out. So the, the prom date had staples in her hair. Not, not a great look for Steve. Um, you had other chances. Also the horn started going off. <laughs> And sticking, like it just started going off, like and just uh, I wouldn't even touch it. I remember the first time it happened, I was at a stoplight, and what do you think happens? Like when somebody doesn't go, you give them a quick little courtesy beep, beep. Um, it was not a courtesy beep because I courtesy beeped it and it stuck. So this guy got honked at even after he started going. It was your following him down the street. Five, ten, fifteen second honk. Oh man! So I kept like pounding on it. So this guy could see me like pounding my steering wheel. <laughs> just and you're looking all pissed like you're mad yeah. at him. but <laughs> And I didn't have an airbag in this car. So it's not like I was like going to activate it or anything. Um, so that was fine. But then the big thing happened was when I was in chemistry class. Um, it was our senior year. It was junior, senior year. And um, they had to pull me out of class. Because when you drive to school, um, you have to maintain a register of your car because so they know it's yours. They said, uh, Steve, uh, you got to come with us. Your car horn's going off. <laughs> I said, excuse me? They're like, yeah, it's been going off for like 15 minutes. It won't stop. So I had to go outside and just due to nobody's fault except for the cars, the car horn started going off and it was stuck. And I even no matter how much I pounded on the steering wheel, it wouldn't stop. So I had to take my hand, get it inside the portion of the horn, tear the whole thing out, wires and all before it stopped wow so I, I tore out my my horn button kind of <laughs> <laughs> so my my steering wheel looked like there was just a big hole in the middle of it um, which and i drove around like that for a while no horn dad didn't care you know they're like okay fine you don't have a horn that's too bad uh, until it's time to get it inspected you cannot pass inspection without a horn so what they yeah. did is rig up a button that i'm I'm only barely exaggerating where it looked like the easy button from those commercials. It was a gigantic button. It was the size of like a silver dollar or more. And it was probably an inch and a half um, long, like up. So literally it was a giant button you would press and that would activate the horn. And it I remember very, that. <laughs> it looked very weird. In and the you like secured it to the actual steering column. 
So it was where your horn would be, but instead it's like this, this barren landscape of like ripped out horn and then this mm-hmm. button in the middle. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what it was. A big black button. And uh, if I ever got into a car accident, I obviously did not have an airbag. Nobody had an airbags in that car. I would just get a big button imprinted on my forehead. I always, and was it would probably haunt that. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> probably it would stick in my forehead. Like it would not go well for me. I may now have a button for an eye if I, that ever happened. Glad that didn't happen to you then. Yeah, me too. So that happened. Uh, there was one time we got the car worked on and my dad um, replaced the uh, brake fluid, but he did not tie the cap or he didn't put the cap on properly. Mm. So all the brake fluid from him driving at home spilled out. So the next time I drove, I couldn't stop. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like it took it took uh, a quarter mile for me to come to a stop and i was in the middle of the road we're like i don't know what's gonna happen now that's still much better than coming to a very quick and abrupt stop yeah <laughs> well i mean it, you know it's you know where i live that's a lot of winding roads mm-hmm. roads with blind curves and if you're going 45 and you need to be going 20 you know on the long strips you can get up there and if you're going around a blind curve you don't want to be going 45 miles mm-hmm. an hour because you're going to and the there were so many bikers the, the and runners. Yeah. So uh, that was scary. We and saw some the, pretty nasty accidents on those roads. Charlottesville definitely had had its fair share of uh, terrible accidents. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's all winding roads and cows. And the, one of the biggest things that I hate are the bikers. Like it's mm-hmm. really pretty and really scenic. If I were a runner or a biker, I would do it there all the time. I would want but to do it there. very dangerous. Yeah, there's there, I like I, I've done that here. You know, I've, I've gotten into biking over the past couple of years because my kids are reaching that age and I'd love to be able to bike places more often. But unless there is like a specific bike area that is even a biking lane is not good enough for me. I want like the the giant wide paths that like are for biking that are off to the side. Yeah, because yeah. all it takes is one guy on his phone to to not be paying attention for half a second you get clipped by a mirror and they're going 65 you're, you're dead and i feel like everyone that i know because you know i've talked about this with like coworkers and stuff when i used to actually go into offices everyone that bikes to work and whatnot has been clipped hit put in the hospital whatever at least a couple of times really? <laughs> and I, I mean they still want to do it but for me it's it's just not worth it at this point yeah i've thought about getting a road bike many times but every time i do I think, ugh, I don't want to get hit by a Mazda Miata or yeah. something like that. When it's hard, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids. Uh, Logan is is almost nine. So, like, he's he's able to, like, get out on the road with me and we'll ride around the neighborhood and, like, all the, the adjoining neighborhoods. And it's like, you know, when you cross a street, you need to understand that the rules are A, but then the practicality is you got to take care of yourself because you're never going to win in a fight with a car. So even if you have the right of way, just wave people on, pretend you don't see them, like look away and and just stop and and be out of the way. Because if you if you get hit by a car like that's that's going to mess you up forever. Yeah, that's damage uh, that doesn't really go away. Yeah. And like, I mean, you you know, because of what you you had happened to your back, like some of those things that just happen there's no fixing it. Like you can have surgery, you can have medication, whatever time. And it just always messes you up. I mean, it's true. It's terrible. Yeah. You don't want that in your life. No. Uh, getting hit by a car. Not great. (laughs) 
lot you of know, horror hot take. stories. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's the real takeaway from this episode is we should all go out into the world and not get hit by cars. You know what? Car accidents not on my top top five favorite things list. It's, it's bumped way down. So I guess kind of rounding back to what we're supposed to be talking about. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the before picture. Yeah, the, any before picture stuff. Um, I guess, uh, you know, you've talked about what you were, or, you know, kind of like how you were raised and how um, mm -hmm. your attitude was and how it's kind of evolved from then. But uh, I guess if I had one parting question, it would be uh, if somebody, if somebody, if you were giving advice, so you're raising two kids right now, uh, what kind of things are you changing about um, what you saw in the parenting styles that was bestowed onto you opposed to your own personal parenting style. Like if you, if somebody asked me, how do I change? What advice would you give them? And how are you kind of trying to instill that change into your own uh, progeny? So I think a lot of it ties back into the, you know, I, I I've made a, a point that I used to be a liar and now I'm much more honest that honesty needs to, to, expand beyond your interactions with other people and also how you look at yourself. So, you know, after a situation and every parent has had this situation where they, they have an interaction with their kid. And afterwards you sit down and you're like, man, I am a terrible parent. I'm a terrible person. Like, you know, you either you yell at them and they cry or, you know, what, whatever the case may be, you know, you won't let them have something and, and they cry because of that. You sit down afterwards and you, you have to, to have a very honest evaluation of your emotions at the time, which for me is a big one because I've, I, I've, I've got a temper and, you know, when I yell frequently, it is a scream and it is, it is way, way too much. So it's your emotions at the time, the actions that you took, the actions that your child took, you know, and, and, and kind of evaluate them. And then for me, one of the biggest things is after I've calmed down, after the kids have calmed down, because, you know, usually it takes them longer, uh, I'll sit down with them and be like, look, this is, this is what I did. This is what you did. Neither of us are in the right. It, it's, it is, I don't see a problem with telling my kid that I messed up because he, they need to understand that I'm, I'm a human too. So I'll sit down with them and say, you know, I, I messed up and that's on me. Um, and, you know, these are the factors that led to it. And this is what I could have done. This is what I should have done in terms of like being aware that I'm starting to, to get angry and that I need to take myself out of the situation for a few minutes. Or, you know, I understood that you were starting to push back harder than you, you should have. So I should have put my foot down firmly and not allowed it to escalate to the point that it did or whatever the case may be. Right. But I try to, I mean, I think this is emulating something my mom did um, and not like trying to rectify it. I try to have conversations with my kids in which I'm completely honest with them. And I try to encourage the same sort of honesty back. Because if if we can have a conversation, it doesn't matter if we disagree or not, then we can we can at least build on something. And at least there's there's something open there. But if you're not even going to to be willing to take the time, which honestly is the biggest thing I think that people kind of skimp on with their kids is the time with them. If you're not going to take the time to sit down and have a conversation and say, hey, I messed up. I know why I messed up. And these are the things I'm going to do to improve. Then you're not you're not doing justice to the relationship you could be having with them and kind of how they're going to grow. And it's funny because that's kind of universally true in terms of your job you need to be able to sit down and say 
this is what I did well, this is what I did poorly, this is what I need to work on and develop a strategy for how to how to improve it. You right. can do it for your health. I mean, in, in terms of like the what's led you to starting the before picture, you know, it's sitting down and saying, this is what I'm doing well in my life health wise. This is what I'm doing poorly. This is what I need to do to improve. <laughs> it's, like, it's all bad. <laughs> I'd say it's all pretty good right now, but uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a push room for improvement. They're always, well, and I think that's understanding that continuous improvement is, is not just a, a buzzword, but something that we can all, we can all kind of take, we can all internalize and, and apply to our, our lives is, is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to think that every day I get a little bit better. And what I tell the kids is all I hope for is that you are a better person than I am. That's, that's my goal is to hopefully create slightly better people. And, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 generations from now, we'll have some really good kids if we still have a world to stand on. Uh, yeah. It'll be somewhere off in space. <laughs> Oh, Elon Musk will somehow still be alive, like <laughs> living on Mars. Yeah, that makes sense. He's a floating head that he, it's like Futurama, where he has yeah. um, a little spider thing underneath him, so he can walk his head around. Well, and you've got like the the cryogenic freezing of like Walt Disney. I'm pretty sure that actually happened. It wasn't just a a random. Oh, uh, sure, right under Cinderella's castle. Yeah, he's just waiting for his prince to kiss him away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've actually seen you do that, not the kissing the prince thing, the uh, thing with, um, you know, discussing with your kids of what was good and what was bad about a situation. And I'll tell you when I remember it is um, when we went to after the Nationals won the World mm-hmm. Series and we were at the parade in D.C., which was that, that was a fine experience for about an hour. But after three hours later, I'm just like, I'm kind of over it. Um, <laughs> And remember much. those, they were those guys that are just like, everybody's going to hell. Everybody's a sinner. Yeah. The proselytizers. And they, yeah. And they, but they had these megaphones. They weren't not megaphones. They were mega megaphones. They were ultra yeah. mega, super big phones where like they were much louder than anything else. They were systems. Yeah. They, he had like, it was ridiculous. He, it had a shoulder strap. That's how big these things were. And they were so loud that people around them had to like cover their ears. And then they had all these people come up and, and, um, start uh, like accosting these people and these people were being disruptions. I cannot believe that this was legal, what they were doing, but uh, you know, cops weren't stopping them or anything like that. So I guess it is legal, but people would start like trying to take their stuff away from them and like hit them and all that sort of stuff. There was the guy throwing the the pieces of pretzel or bagel or something at one of them. Well, they would get outright violent and start screaming at them. And, but then that's exactly what these guys wanted because they had GoPros on all sides of their bodies to record Mm -hmm. everything to make sure they could like prove it in a court. Be like, this guy cost me, sue, sue him, sue her, sue him, sue all of them. And um, yeah, one of them got like really close to us uh, to the point. And then there was like a scuffle with one of them, with uh, that guy and some stranger who was uh, also kind of like saying, you need to, you know, shut up. My daughter's here and you're ruining the day, blah, blah, blah. And the guy just said, everybody's going to hell. You're all sinners, all that. So he started like hitting him. And then, uh, you know, we had to kind of like defend uh, your your little guy to not have him like take any collateral damage. You know, he wasn't being targeted or anything. Uh, but then you had to have a little talk with him of who was in the wrong, who was in the right, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, the guy with the megaphones in the wrong because he's an annoying jerk. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's my thinking. Right, right. Uh, that was not the correct answer, according to you. <laughs> so. Well, and, you know, with a situation like that, I think... I, there is an instigator, which is the guy with the megaphone, but then that doesn't make the actions of the guy who accosted him physically correct either. You know, it's 
I get it. It's frustrating. Like we were, we were frustrated and we were angry too, but that's in the guy was ruining the day, (laughs) but it's still not okay to, to, you know, take a swing at someone because they're sharing their very odd and disruptive beliefs. So yeah, I mean, I, I recall that pretty vividly and, you know, Logan asked, you know, who, who, who was in the wrong there? And the frank answer was both of them. I mean, they, they're both in the wrong. And, you know, I think, I think understanding that as a, as a human is a good idea, but also being able to, I I mean, it's one of the great things about kids is you have to explain these things to them. You can't just like hand wave it. And it really makes you think about it too. Um, But yeah, I, I I felt like, you know, and I've always felt like, and it definitely causes some issues kind of being completely on the level with them, not explain, not, not giving them details they don't need, but like just telling kids the absolute truth. Both of them are in the wrong. One guy's kind of a jerk, but that doesn't make the other guy hitting them okay either. Yeah, uh, that's not fun for anyone. No. So, I try to to kind of exhibit that throughout all of these little lessons um, and take everything as a learning moment. Do you ever a, use a it on a smaller scale? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like uh, you know when when I drop the when I drop the, the dinner or something on the ground and I freak out for a minute and then I'm like, all right look, this was on me. <laughs> I wasn't paying enough attention. And I, I, I specifically remember I made like this really nice fish. It was huge. I plattered it. I turned it immediately dropped to the platter, broke the platter. So then the fish is unrecoverable. It's got like shards of ceramic in it. And I, I mean, I was pretty good about that one, but it's still, it's like, look, I wasn't paying enough attention. This is on me. Like there's just nobody, nobody else's fault, but my own. And it's not, it wasn't intentional. It was an accident. Accidents happen to everyone. And we're going to have to order dinner tonight. And we're going to be eating a bit later than we normally would. <laughs> yeah, your 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 move of uh, going from cooking something to ordering something, I always think it's a really funny transition. And I know it frustrates you to no end, but it causes, gives me endless joy because I just get to laugh at your frustration. And it's happened, it happened on, um, you typically cook for my birthday. And it happened two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Where you were trying to cook sausages, one you almost had you set your house on fire. Yeah, that one was bad. <laughs> Two, uh, some some other thing happened, but each each instance we were like, "Well, you want Chinese food again this year?" Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Oh man, that was the the one with the sausages. I I had I had forget forgot to slice them, and so when they popped, like with the 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 oil and juices and stuff inside them, them. beer too. Yeah, yeah, and they were beer soaked. Um, I mean, that was like 20 foot high flames. Yeah. I like that was really alarming. <laughs> <laughs> and it was going up the side. This was when you lived in the townhouse. Yeah. It was going up the side of your house. Yeah. I actually didn't learn from that. I, uh, I cooked for my mother-in-law. No, for my sister-in-law's baby shower at my mother-in-law's house and melted some of her siding. Um, <laughs> I didn't pull the grill far enough away from the house. Uh, that oh, was, man. that was not good. Oops. <laughs> overall though uh the dining experiences your house are pretty enjoyable they're generally positive and even those i mean it, it makes for a good story and the chinese food was okay uh, it was all right that place was mediocre <laughs> i don't remember specifically what it was you do have some of my favorite dishes though when you make a pot roast i love pot mm. roast night pot roast and uh biscuits and gravy are my two favorites because they're they're like those those like staple heavy meals. Um, 
comfort foods. That's what I was looking for. Those nice comfort foods. Yeah. I like fish night. Mm. There is when a, I don't drop the platter. I was not there that night. I don't <laughs> so dropping the platter, not part of my, my uh, purview here. Yeah. Tell you what food I don't like though. And I, I've, I've expressed this to you when you make those sandwich, those greasy butter sandwiches. Yeah, I haven't done those in like five years. They're too much. And, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I can't eat it. They're too buttery. They're too rich. Like it's, it's, it's not a good situation. It's like a sweet meat. <laughs> I'm not huge on that. Except for like uh, bulgogi or something like that. When it used those like King's Hawaiian rolls, which yeah. are already like a sweet roll, then you cover them in butter and onions and poppy seeds. So it just, it was a lot. It was a lot to consume. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel terrible afterwards. You also are not a big fan of hot dogs, though you'll you'll stomach them if there's chili. If the, I will eat a hot dog in one circumstance, but that circumstance has a lot of contingencies. Uh, I have to have access to t- chili, cheese, onions, and maybe a little relish. Mm. And that's the only time I'll enjoy a hot dog. Like I will eat a hot dog. Or mustard? Absolutely not. Hot dogs almost don't taste anything. good. Hot dogs do not taste good. I'm on they, team. They're no good hot by themselves. Hashtag no I, hot dogs. Sound off in the comments. Hot dogs suck. Even if I have access to condiments, sometimes I'll just eat a plain hot dog because they're good. The bread's good. The meat's good. It's good. <laughs> Hashtag Alex is wrong about hot dogs. We're going to get this going on Twitter. Hey, every major stadium agrees with me. I think it's because they're so cheap. They get them for five cents a dollar. That's very fair. That is uh, Hey, I don't want this parts of the pig. Ah, I could sell this for $8 a piece. I guess. I mean, there, there's a lot of leftovers that are tossed in those little skins, but uh, yeah. you take a particularly good bite. Like, Ooh, got a little snout. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I'll eat a, a pig snout. <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure that's a delicacy in I, some areas. Maybe. I don't know. I know pigs feet are a big thing. Yeah, I know they are certain uh southern areas Ooh, i got the tail i don't know about you but i'm, I'm walking away from this very very high I, <laughs> i'm I really I'm, ready I'm for planning the wrong flame here i'm yeah, just making uh, you prep for dinner and see what you do well actually so i do i eat pretty poorly most of the time but my kind of mitigation strategy is i do um intermittent fasting and i only eat you? once a day really? yeah so for about two years now i've done Oh, mad one meal a day. Um, so I only eat dinner and I call it dinner. It's more like a supper because we eat at like 530 because the kids, the kids go to bed by like 738 anyway. Um, so we, you don't want to, you don't want to like feed them and then shove them right into bed. That's weird. Right. So we try to eat a little bit earlier anyway. Um, but I, I only eat the one meal a day and that helps a lot when I stick with it. Um, it's great when I'm actually doing it. And then what I'll do is I'll do six days on and then Saturdays, uh, I eat whatever I want today being Crap. Saturday, I have not eaten yet and it's in the afternoon and I'm quite ready to, <laughs> what's on the, what, what's on the smorgasbord for today. I don't know. Uh, because, so we had a big snow last weekend. We're supposed to get another big snow tonight. Um, Are we? So yeah, like six to eight inches. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't check my phone. I won't check my phone now. But now yeah, yeah, that, it, that'll be a, a debrief portion. Um, but because of that, we've been cooking at home because you know you buy all the stuff. Make sure that if you're snowed in, and I mean we the kids missed one day of school and had a delay the next day. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big, big snow. Um, but in this area, we haven't had any, in a couple of years. So anyway, I've been cooking at home. Um, and then last night we decided to eat out, got, 
got halal guys. Um, and I'll tell you, breaking the fast on that was was quite tasty. Um, yes. I'm a big, big fan of halal guys. Uh, but I don't know what, what tonight's deal That's is. chicken, right? Uh, but do they, they mainly do chicken? They have they chicken do? and beef. Um, and I do I do a mix of the two in a bowl with rice and lettuce. And it's essentially like a giant salad because I get half the rice and double the lettuce. Because oh. um, I realized at some point that like iceberg lettuce is one of the like top five best tasting foods. I love lettuce. I'll just sit down and okay. eat lettuce by itself. I don't need dressing or anything. Uh, but yeah, it's like lettuce and onions and peppers and uh, tomatoes. And it's all just mixed in with this sauce that is horrifically bad for you. But if you only eat once a day, I mean, you can keep your calories down. Um, is it like a Chipotle or do you go and you order ahead of time and pick it up? So I order ahead of time, like through the app and pick it up, but it is like Chipotle where like you work your way, you know, pre-COVID really? times, okay. you work so you your do... way down the line, okay, they have like Zoe's belt. Kitchen uh, or any uh, Kava, any of those places. Well, Zoe's Kitchen, they make it in the back. Oh, that's, that's true. Just, that's just you order and you sit down and they call Yeah, it. yeah. So it's more like Chipotle or I really like a place called Mon Pizza that does not agree with me. Um, I should not eat at Mon Pizza. <laughs> uh but they they do that line and then it's a brick oven that they put it in and oh man it's good. I don't like pizza that much, but I I really like their pizza. I love pizza. Have you been to And Pizza? It's like the symbol for And. Yeah, I haven't, but I've seen you. I've seen stuff that you've gotten there before. It's a long pizza. It's not like big and round. It's uh, it's longer. Is it like flatbread or? It's it's a pizza. They have like pre made kind of doughs that they have it lined out and uh, just just an elongated dough gotcha yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a long hot dog looking pizza it's a and, sub it's a sub pizza and then you get the whatever sauce you want and but then you get unlimited toppings and then you have all the toppings and they just put it on and then they put it on one of those conveyor belts like they do in a quiznos and it by the end of by the time it gets mm-hmm. to the end of it it's ready to go and then you can get some like i want garlic oil or i want pesto or i want some extra radish something or other yeah yeah that's mod pizza does a similar thing except it's not the conveyor belt they put oh, it into mod the mod pizza i have been there okay yeah. I, I miss i misheard yep yep yeah i've been there and again we tried to get back to the before picture and we went right back i to mean it's our all related foods. to you know parenting and whatever yeah absolutely. <laughs> they don't like it they could do now i mean this is just and, the, and i know at least some of our friends will listen to this and they will definitely tune out <laughs> Yeah, one of them's going to be like, he lied about the ball. (laughs) We can only hope. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, actually, I think we're probably about at uh, time. So, sure. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. I hope it's been a uh, lot of fun. Have continuous conversations where they will be equally derailed, but uh, I had fun. Yeah, I did too. And normally I'd like, I'd be like, hey, you know, check out my Instagram and, and, you know, look me up on uh, I can't think of anything else. Twitter, Twitter, that's the other one. But as I've said, due to my my uh, terrible behavior as a child, I avoid all social media. <laughs> all right. So follow him through me. Follow me at yeah. Saint Mahone. That's Actually, yeah. dot Mahone at Instagram. Subsu- subscribe, like and comment on uh, the before picture because it's yeah. a heck of a podcast. I've really enjoyed it so far. I think I, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> thanks. I think. um you know what? Just don't make the comments about me. Make them all about Alex. Like, I really enjoyed Alex being on there, but uh, I think he should be the new host. Yeah. In the future, could you have less dirtbags? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like perhaps the, a moral uh, compass. I, I don't like the direction this show's taking. I think um, you need upstanding, uh, fine gentlemen. I recommend the Mormon <laughs> Church. All right.
I'll wear a tie next time just for the zoom um, for what I'm doing. My air quotes that nobody can see, but you. Hello. <laughs> my name is elder price. Oh, that was a heck of a night. Yeah. Great show. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very it. much. I appreciate it. All Have right. a good one. We'll catch y'all next time.